Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. You guys good? Do we have energy this morning? Listen, I had a late night last night coming home from Atlanta from some volleyball with Ellie, and so I'm going to need a little energy in the room to get me going, so I just want to put that on the front end. So let's do this together this morning. If you're online this morning, glad you're with us as well. Now, speaking of volleyball, Ellie, my daughter, when she was beginning middle school, she came to Amber and I, and she said, Mom and Dad, I want to try out for volleyball at school. Okay, this kind of took us off guard because Ellie is very talented. Ellie is an artist. Ellie sings. Ellie is smart. And she had at that point mostly done the Bama theater type of things. And she hadn't really played organized sports except for one year playing soccer. And so Amber and I were like, okay, Let's see. And we had a decision to make in this moment. If Ellie wants to try something new, you know how parents are, we are with this, is we want her to succeed. So what do I do? I start making phone calls. I start talking around. Eventually, I find an ex-Alabama volleyball player and ask her, will you spend some time with Ellie? Yes, she says. So for a month, they met. She taught her about the rules of volleyball. She taught her about footwork. She taught her about passing. She taught her the most important thing she needed for that tryout was to overhand serve. They began to work together. They spent time together. They did this so that Ellie would feel ready for the tryout. They did this so that when Ellie walked into that tryout, she would be confident. Now my son, Jackson, when Jackson was young, Jackson would not try anything new until he knew exactly what he was getting into. Jackson asked a million questions. Dad, wait, so what's going to happen? Mom, so when that happens, what do I then do next? Question after question after question until Jackson had all the answers. And when Jackson had all the answers, now he was confident to step into what needed to happen. But you know how this concept works, right? You've had these moments in your life. Let's say you have something you have to present in school or at work. And leading up to this, you, you, you work hard, you, you think about what you're going to do, you practice before you do it so that you will be confident. Maybe you have to have a conversation with somebody, and so you run through that conversation in your mind to know what words you're going to say so that you can be confident. Confidence is so important when it comes to trying new things and executing at a higher level. Confidence. Now listen, last week I ended this message and our series with a simple sentence. I said, you show me your prayer life and I'll show you your relationship with Jesus. Do you remember that? Last week, we ended the series that we had started at the beginning of the year with the concept of how we are to be like a sheep following the shepherd. 
That the calling on our voice is to be that sheep. And the number one thing to be a sheep is you have to learn the voice of the shepherd. And I said, there's no way to live in this kind of relationship without a life of prayer. We don't learn the voice and we don't live in this relationship without a healthy prayer life. Because what often happens in our life when we don't go down this road is we often settle for a relationship with Jesus where we believe in Him, but we don't necessarily know Him. And I believe when we settle for this kind of relationship, we miss out on something really special. See, when we settle for that kind of relationship with Jesus, but don't fight for really knowing Jesus, knowing his voice, knowing his presence, knowing his care, knowing his wisdom, all the things we get from Jesus, we miss out on something that we are wired for. So what I find with people is many people don't feel that bond with Jesus that goes beyond believing in Him. Believing in the stories that you read in the Bible. It doesn't go beyond that more surface level knowledge of Him. And I begin to think, why is that? I begin to wonder, why is it that many times our relationship with Jesus can be defined more in believing in versus really knowing intimacy, intimately? And I wonder if maybe it's not for a lack of desire for a deeper relationship. Maybe it's just that we're not confident in how we do that. Maybe it's not a lack of desire of wanting a depth of relationship with Jesus, but we're not confident in how we walk to that. So the result is we don't do it. See, when you're confident in something, just like Ellie with volleyball or, or Jackson asking the questions, we're willing to walk into something and just give it a try. We're willing to walk into something and just give it our best. But when you aren't confident in something, don't we just avoid it? When we're not confident in a certain area, don't we avoid it? We walk the other way. See, I think when it comes to prayer, I think oftentimes what stands in our way is a confidence in what we're supposed to do. There's a lack of confidence in how this is supposed to play out. And when we don't feel confident in how this works, then there's no way we'll be open. There's no way we'll be vulnerable. There's no way that we will jump into the depths of what a relationship with Jesus can be through prayer. There's no way we're going to make it a priority in our life. So this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I want to tackle this in our lives, okay? I don't want to avoid this. I don't want to just tell you to pray. What we're going to do is from now until Easter, we're going to talk about prayer. 
I've got seven different prayers that I see in the Bible that when we begin to engage in these prayers, I think it changes everything about our lives. And my number one prayer, my number one prayer is at the end of this, you will feel more confident, you will feel more open to going deeper in your relationship with Jesus through prayer. And my prayer is that you will experience something you've never experienced before, that if we just give it a try, if we're just willing to say, I'll walk in this, as we begin to talk about a life of prayer and what these prayers look like, is that you will experience something new and you will never want to go back to how your relationship with Jesus was. Now the good thing about all of this is if you can say, Scott, I kind of feel that in my life. You are not alone. Oftentimes we think how I feel and my insecurities and my lack of confidence and my lack of abilities, we're like, everybody else around me, they're so much better at this and I don't do so well. If that's how you feel about prayer, I've got good news for you. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 simply says this, one day, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. See, just when you think, maybe I'm the only one in the room that feels this way, I'm the only one that doesn't feel a confidence in praying. You read Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and you see, maybe, are the disciples, or at least even a few of them, in the same place that I am? Can you relate to even this one disciple that asked Jesus, Jesus, I see how much you pray. Jesus, I see how much you're bought into this idea of prayer. Can you teach us how to pray? Can you be our mentor the way John was the mentor to his followers? Jesus, can you help me with this? Because I want to experience what it seems like you experience through prayer. I want to walk into having a life of prayer the way I see you have a life of prayer. I want to be confident. What what if that's what's behind this? I want to be confident in how to pray. See, in this moment, Jesus looks at them and gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer. See, what he gives them is he gives them structure, he gives them pattern, he gives them ingredients to how a prayer life can work. But if you know very much about the Bible, you know this isn't the only place. If you know the Gospels, you know this isn't the only place Jesus does this. See, there's another time where Jesus is on the side of a mountain. He's, he's kind of in, in the grassy areas. He's looking over the Sea of Galilee, and he's looking down at these people, and he begins to uh, give his most famous sermon in Matthew 5, verses 7. 
and he knows something about those people, and that's that they are probably just like the disciple that asked, can you teach us how to pray? So right in the middle of his sermon, he says, let me show you how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, a famous, famous prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You've heard this prayer, right? You've heard this prayer before. Maybe you have seen or heard teaching on this prayer before. But Dallas Willard, uh, just an amazing man that I love reading his book, he says sometimes familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. That we think we know so, something so much that we almost put it to the side and we forget the depths of the meaning of a passage. And I think sometimes this can be the most familiar thing because if you grew up in the church, you have heard this prayer so often. You've heard pastors just like me speak on this that we forget the significance we forget the power. We forget that when Jesus taught about prayer, this is what he said. And if Jesus thought it was so important that these are the words that he shared, then we need to not be just familiar. We need to own these words. And what I'm hoping is, as we walk through this this morning, what you'll be given is a renewed confidence. A renewed confidence that I, I think I know how I can begin to walk into maybe a new and revived life of prayer. That if for you, you've kind of walked away from, or you've never walked into prayer being a consistent thing in your life, so you feel a distance, that maybe you're sitting in the seat I said before, of like you've got a belief in Jesus, you know the stories of Jesus, you've grown up with the idea of Jesus, but Scott, maybe it's true that I don't know, know Jesus. Maybe I don't know his voice as well as I should. Maybe I don't know His presence as much as I should. I don't know how to walk through life experiencing this relationship with Jesus. I'm hoping that when we get done with this today, you'll be like, okay, I can walk into this. And maybe that's the gift that Jesus has given us through this prayer. See, Jesus starts this prayer pretty simply. He says, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. What's amazing about this, that, that when you say it so often, it may lose its power, is that when he says, Father, what he's doing is telling those people, he's telling you the disciples we see in Luke, or in Matthew, the people on the side of that mountain, in, in, around the Sea of Galilee, he's telling them, this is how your relationship can be in prayer. See, what we see in Scripture is that 
Um, when Jesus was baptized, it says that the heavens opened up and God says, this is my son who I am well pleased. When Jesus prays, what words does he use? My father. He has this father-son relationship. He understands who God is and who he is. And when he's talking to these people, you know what he says? You can have the same relationship I have with the father. Can I pass on to you what I have? It's not just for me. It's for you that you get to view God as a father. He can be personal. He can be close. He can be like this intimate relationship that you want to have with somebody. He can be your father. Can I give you what I have? Can I change how you view God? That he can be God, but he can be close. Because then he follows it up with in heaven. Our Father in heaven. This was what's, what's crazy about this, is God can be as close as a father, be as personal as a father, but be in the position of authority in heaven. He can be as close as the Father, but be above everything in heaven. It's this dynamic where you can be close, but above. You can be close, but be greater than anything, that you can be in the place that is above all. That this prayer is started from a place of, you are my Father, but you are above everything. And so what happens is, it lets us see really who He is. And when we see who he is, then we're able to say, hallowed be your name. See, when we see this hallowed be your name, what this word is, is H-A-G-I-A-Z-O. And what this word is, it's a, it's a holiness. It's a set apart. It's a purity. It's a revered name. I, when I say this prayer, like, hallowed's not a word we use every day, right? Like, it's kind of like, hallowed, we know it because of church. When I read this, my mind automatically transitions to our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. Revered is your name. And what happens in my life, why this is personal to me, is that when we have a Father that loves us, is for us, but also is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, then we are able to declare, God, you are different. God, you are holy. And you are worthy to be revered with my life. And it's in this moment why it's important the prayer starts here is he puts people in their rightful seat. It puts Jesus in the throne and me at his feet. But get this, it doesn't put us at his feet as a slave or a peasant. It puts us at his feet as a child. 
And doesn't that change how we can begin our prayer? Our Father who is close but all-powerful. Our Father who is close but all-powerful. And you are holy and you are set apart. And I get to put you in the seat of authority, but I get to sit at your feet as your child. This can revolutionize how we approach Jesus with our prayers. See, now I don't think it's by accident that Jesus starts this way. See, when you start your prayer by acknowledging God this way, then the rest of your prayers begin to fall in place, right? When God is in his rightful seat, then we're able to pray the next part of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, See, his kingdom is better. Our kingdom is broken. I started this year by talking about this dynamics of creation and how God wanted everything to be. And I told you, I reminded you that in Genesis 1 and 2, everything is how God created it to be. But in two chapters of the whole Bible, it's how it's supposed to be. By the third, it gets broken. By the third chapter, sin enters the world and it breaks down everything that God intended it to be. And so what we see is his kingdom is better than our broken kingdom. And when the reality of our situation is seen, then what we can do is we can say, I want your kingdom when we understand that our kingdom is broken and his kingdom is good, then we will want his kingdom. And we want his kingdom to intersect with our world. We should want his kingdom to come here. We want a kingdom that brings healing and wholeness and reconciliation and redemption. We want the healthy kingdom to intersect with the broken kingdom. See, there's so much talk about when we get to heaven, right? We talk so much about when we get to heaven. But what we miss is the language in Scripture is that God wants peace of heaven to come here. That heaven is not something we just wait for. parts of heaven, the kingdom of heaven values, how the kingdom of heaven can work, can come here. And I'll tell you, I don't want to wait for that. God, may your kingdom come here, now. Jesus says, pray for this. I know it won't be the completion of your kingdom, but I want your kingdom to come here now. And then look what happens when we can pray that prayer. When we're willing to pray that part of the prayer, then without hesitation, we will say, your will be done. It's just a follow-up. Not my will. I want your kingdom, God, not mine. 
I want your ideas. I want your ways. I want your plans. I want your way of living to come down here because I've acknowledged that your kingdom is better. So now if your kingdom is better, I want that kingdom here. I want your will to be done. And this is where we need to get to a place. We need to get to the place where I want to fall out of love for his kingdom, for this kingdom, and fall in love with yours. We need to get a mindset that says, I want to fall out of love for this and begin to fall in love with his. When we can get to that place, how we live every day will never be the same. Do you get that? When we can get to the place where I say, I don't want to love this anymore. I want to fall in love with what you want to bring. Everything in our life changes. It's just the way it is. And so we see what's happening here. Jesus is helping people get their minds and their intentions in the right place. See, once we've established who he is, we will want his kingdom. We will want what he wants. Once our heart and our mind is in this place, now we are ready to do what we typically do in our prayer life is we begin to then ask for something. But we shouldn't begin to ask for something until we recognize who he is and that we want what he wants. When we start with the next part of the prayer first, then it puts things out of order because we will want what we want. We will be in love with this kingdom. We will have our priorities not in the right place. But when we say, God, you are our Father. God, you are above everything. How revered and holy your name is. And I want your kingdom. I want your will. Then we can say, give us today our daily bread. Today, give us our daily bread. Now, let's stop and think for a second. Imagine yourself. Imagine yourself around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is preaching, and he says, this is how to pray. Give us our daily bread. What pops in your head? If you're them, them what do these words remind you of? If you're them... What story pops back in your head? What pops in your head? When God rescues his people out of Egypt, and what does he give them? Manna from heaven. Do you know that story? God has rescued them. God has rescued them, and now they're in need of food. They are hungry, and so God says, okay, I will provide I will be your provider. I'm going to send you manna from heaven every day. But I've got some rules. What was the rule? Do you recall? Once again, you're like the people. You know the story. They have heard the story. So what happens? Don't collect more than you need for that day. Only take what you need for that day. Why? Because I'm going to bring more tomorrow. That's what the story was. I'm going to bring more tomorrow. But if you know the story, you know what happens. What do they do? 
They begin to hoard the food. They begin to take more than they need that day. Why? Because they were nervous about tomorrow. They were nervous about tomorrow. And what happens is it begins to spoil. Insects show up. It all goes bad. They messed it up. They mess up that part of God being their provider because they didn't trust Him. And does that sound like anybody? We can knock on those Israelites so much, but is that not you and me? Have you not sat in that seat before? See, the reason we need to pray this part of the prayer in our life is that we need to speak faith in who God is and what he will do. God, I trust you, so you give me what I need today. Our goal for our life is that we get to a place where our faith says this, what I need, God will provide. What I need, God will deliver. And what God delivers is all I need. What if we get to the place where we say, what I need, I believe God will deliver. And what God delivers, then I know that's all I need. He told, he told the Israelites, I've rescued you. Now I'm going to provide for you. This is what you need for today. They messed it up, but we don't have to mess it up. We don't have to walk that road. We have a choice. Where's our faith going to be? So when we have set our minds on who God is, we've put him in the seat he belongs in, we've established in our mind that whose kingdom is the best kingdom, we want to experience kingdom of heaven values here on this earth. Our faith is being experienced in how he will provide what we need every day. Now we get to the part that is the easiest to understand and the hardest to do. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's pretty simple, plain, can feel in your face. This one can sting a little. See, we have to remember that we've already prayed your kingdom come. Get this. We have already prayed your kingdom come. Your will be done. I want what happens in your kingdom to happen in this kingdom. Your kingdom values replace these kingdom values. And a big part of the kingdom of heaven is forgiveness. This is the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus. He has come to redeem our lives through forgiving our sins. He came, he died, so we don't have to. That is what we celebrate, that is what we believe, that is what we give our life to, that is what we declare. And through our singing, through our 
just coming together through our small groups is what we teach the kids, is what we teach the teens, is what we talk about. This is core. He gave his life, so I don't have to. I am forgiven. And we love that part, don't we? We live in that part of the message. Part of our prayers need to be repentance. We're going to spend a whole week talking about this because it's something I think we've lost that's really freeing to us. Repentance is a big part of our relationship with God. See, when you read in other parts of Scripture, you'll see that the words where it says, if you ask for forgiveness, he is always faithful to forgive. We never have to worry that he will forgive. That's the good part. Except you keep reading. And the story gets more complete if you read Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And maybe we need to pause and let that soak in. Because I don't even feel comfortable saying it. I don't know how comfortable you are hearing that. That is intense language right after the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is telling us if we want His kingdom to come, we not only get forgiven, we forgive. If we want his kingdom to come, then we live out the values of the kingdom, and that means we don't only for, get forgiven, we also forgive. See, before this, our faith is being put to the test. Now our actions are being put to the test. Are we willing to become more like Jesus in how we forgive? His kingdom can't come unless we are willing to live out kingdom values. And I feel like I could give an altar call right now. Yeah, but we have one more piece of this prayer. The last part of this prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, side note, you're like, Scott, that doesn't know where, it, that's not where it ends, because you're forgetting for thine is the kingdom and the power, and it's not actually in the Bible. It was added a little bit later. So this is actually where the prayer ends. You got to know something. You got to know something. If we are going to try to live out kingdom values, if we're going to try to live out the way the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God works here on this earth, you will no doubt be tempted. We will be tempted to go back to our way of doing things. Get this. We will be tempted to be our own God. We'll be tempted to build our own kingdom. We'll be tempted to be our own provider. 
We will be tempted to hold grudges and bitterness against other people. We will be tempted. They are coming. When you do things God's way, you will be tempted by the evil one to come and to stop you living out the ways of the kingdom of heaven. So we need to ask God, be our protector. God, be our helper. Be our guide. We all love when we're in trouble to have someone that's got our back, right? When you are in need, you always love to know that someone's got your back. I feel this in this room, that my church, so many people have sent texts and phones, Scott, I've always got your back. It is so good to feel this. Well, let's go back to the top again. How much better can it be to have our Heavenly Father, who is holy and powerful, to have our back? The one we are calling to be our protector. The one we are calling to deliver us. The one we are calling to be there with us. We've already declared he's different. He is different. He is everything we would want our earthly father to be in so much more. You may not have grown up and understand what a healthy heavenly father is, but he is everything in our mind that we wish an earthly father would be, but so much more in our life. We have the creator of all things as our protector, as our deliverer. That doesn't mean we don't go through hard times. Because quite frankly, some of the hardest times you go through are the best things for you, and God will never take away the things that are good for you. So sometimes you go through hard times, and you're like, God, where are you? He is still there. He's close. He's the Father who's close. But He lets us go through these things because He loves us but he's always right there in the battle. He is your deliverer. Because temptation is coming your way. So let's go back to how all this started. When Ellie tried out middle school for volleyball, Ellie walked into that tryout with confidence. Ellie walked into that tryout confidence because she was taught. She had instruction. She had what she needed. And now we're several years down the road. Ellie has been a starting hitter in high school since the ninth grade. Ellie is playing volleyball in a couple hours that I will go online, I will stream these games, and I'll yell from my house like she can hear me in the game, all right? But Ellie, when she plays, she is gritty, she's tenacious, she is passionate, and I've seen her grow over the years. She has one season left in high school. It's terrible. She has one season left she's about to walk into, but I see a different girl than I saw back in seventh grade when it comes to her confidence. 
all that started was taking the first step. Her confidence came from that time she spent with the one that was instructing her to the trial, and then she has walked on in her volleyball career. And listen, prayer may not be a place of confidence for you, but it can be. A life of prayer may not be your place of confidence, but it can be. It just takes the first step. I think Jesus gave this prayer because people are like, Jesus, how do we get what you get? How do we experience this the way you experience How do you want us to connect to God the way you do? And so Jesus gives this prayer. Is this the only way to pray? No. You don't have to just pray this, but what I'll say is, as you begin to grow in your confidence prayer, you begin to have a life of prayer, you'll see most of the components in this prayer lived out with other words. And as you grow, you begin to speak and listen and be in that relationship. You can go, but you know what? A lot of my prayers have this Lord's Prayer components in it that Jesus taught thousands, a couple thousand years ago. You want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. You want to pray from a deeper place. You want to have a prayer life where when you can just feel and you can open and you can be honest and you can be vulnerable, where you know when you know to God, He is listening and He wants to talk and it just comes from a deeper place. It begins taking that first step. Jesus wants this with you. But we have to decide, do we want it enough to take the first step? And when you do, maybe you'll experience a side of God you've never experienced before. And when you do, you'll never want to go back to just believing in when you start knowing him at a deeper level. So as we begin to walk down this road of prayer until Easter, will you walk that with me? Will you give it a try? If you already pray, can you push in, lean in more? If it's not really part of your life, will you take what I've spoken about today and say, I'll give this, even if you're starting, just, I'm just going to say what this is, because I don't really, start here. See where God takes you from there. He wants more of you. Maybe you want more of Him, but you don't know how to do it. This is how you do it. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you are the one that loves us the most. You are the one. You are the one that desires to be in such a deep relationship with us that we know your voice, we know your heart, we know your passions, we know your wisdom, we know what you want 
for us and from us, God. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you speak to us, push us to just give prayer a try. Maybe to lean into prayer in a way we never have before. And God, what I pray is you just build our confidence. And you build our confidence. And you build our confidence that, God, over these next weeks, months, and years, we find ourselves in a place we never found ourselves because we are taking the time. We are putting a focus in to saying, I want to connect with my Father in heaven hallowed be your name. God, we want what you want. We believe that you'll deliver what needs to be delivered. We believe, God, we believe, God, that what you say will come true. Now meet us where we are, but let us not stay there today. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.